Well, good morning. What a what a joy to worship together. Um, Solvay and I and my family have been coming for about a year and a half, so I know not everybody, uh, we don't know everybody yet. Um, those who do know us, you know, the question I got this morning is, I can't believe you're wearing pants, which <laughs> is probably more appropriately said, I can't believe you're not wearing shorts today, but yes, I am wearing pants. Um, <laughs> so this morning, the, the sermon is, you know, my answer is yes, now what's the question? Um, and, and I just want to, I'm going to share with you just some things of how this uh, has kind of had meaning to us. Um, as I said, we've been here about a year and a half. Uh, it was January of 2012. We were actually here visiting one Sunday morning, and uh, Ben Goodman was teaching. And uh, we met him right afterwards, and Ben uh, shared a prophetic word uh, with Solvay and I at the time. And, and I have it, and I actually went back, and I was looking at just some of the words yesterday from it. And, and one of the things that he said to us, he, re- he really saw us um, as sneaky people, that we would be really... <laughs> helping children, and he said, not just feeding people, but really impacting them for Christ. He says something there of just, you know, you would, you know, bring others you around in doing this, um, you know, which at the time didn't have a lot of meaning to me, uh, but, you know, it's fun to see how God works. And then last year, uh, Ben was back, I guess it's the second time that we had seen Ben, and, um, and one of the words that he had for us that day was that he really saw a trip for us. And he was like, it's going to be, you know, a couple of weeks at least. You know, you guys are going to really unplug. And on a trip like this, God is going to really meet you. He's going to restore some things, and he's really going to push you forward. That, You know, this, sorry. You think Mike's an emotional guy? You haven't seen nothing yet. Uh, <laughs> um, that, uh, that this trip is really a big deal. And what Ben didn't know, um, you know, is that Solvay and I, for four years, had been saving and planning for this trip to go see uh, two kids. So we've sponsored a couple of kids through Compassion for, for many years now. And so we were planning to go to Ecuador to see them, uh, along with other things that God would have us do. And so we just returned uh, here in March from seeing, from seeing them. And so I'm going to just share some things that God taught us through this. So when we were down there, one of the first things as we got there, and I don't know that I set expectations fully properly ahead of time, you know, but Lydia comes to me with this question. And, um, and it was a multiple choice question. She's like, Dad, what is this trip? I'm a little confused. Is, is this a trip to see our compassion kids? Is this a missions trip? Is this a vacation? She goes, I don't quite get it. Um, and part of it is, if you guys know me, I'm a very planned guy. I'm pretty organized. And so um, of the 14 days we were there, I had three days where I knew what we were doing. Um, you know, I had travel plans, and I knew where we'd be. But I, you know, I had one, uh, two days with compassion, one day doing a sightseeing thing, and the other days were loose. And uh, so I think this kind of made everybody nervous around me, too. I'm just kind of, <laughs> what is this trip? Um, and so my answer to her was yes. And she didn't like the answer. She still doesn't like the answer. Um, but it's, you know, and, and basically what I said is, look, we don't know what God has in plan uh, for us here. But we know that he's going to work through us. And so we just have to be open right? We got to kind of let go of what we assume is going to happen here. We just have to listen for his voice. And when we feel his prompting, we need to act on that. And, and so my question was, you know, to her, can you do that? You know, she's like, yes, I, I can do that. Um, and, you know, in, in fact, as you'll see some of this, some of our greatest ministry opportunities happened on days that we're doing touristy things. And so they didn't fit in nice little buckets. And so I have a multiple choice question for you guys this morning. So is this the sermon? Is this a compassion update? You know, is this a report of just what happened on your trip? And so my answer is yes. 
Um, and I believe that God is going to meet us here this morning, that if you have open hearts to hear what God is prompting, what the Holy Spirit is prompting to you, and if you act in obedience on what he is prompting, that uh, he will work through that. So how many of you are willing to, to do that? Yeah. All right, wonderful. So that's what we're going to do this morning. So if you'd open your Bibles uh, to Colossians, Colossians 4, uh, verses 3 to 6. So as we were getting ready for the trip, and I was reading in my devotion time, this, this, and I wasn't looking for a verse, but, but God gave me this verse. And it just, when I read it, it just struck me that this was for you, for your family, for this trip. And so I want to talk about this because there's more inside of this verse um, than was even apparent to me at the outset. And so, um, so it starts here. It says, and this is Paul. It's at the end of the book of Colossians, right? So he's, he's writing a letter to them. And he's giving some final instructions to them. You know, he had earlier talked about continuing in prayer. And, and here he says, Now pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which, which is how I ought to speak. Now there's a lot inside of that. You know, what's interesting to me is he's saying, Okay, you need to pray that God will open a door, right? And what do we know about a door? If a door's closed, you're not going through. The door's got to get open, but that's only part of it. You've got to step through the door. And so what's interesting is Paul's saying, pray that God will open a door. But what's interesting, what's just implied is, I'm going I'm to go through that door, right? So kind of where I started on this is, Paul's answer was, yes, I'm going, God, just open the door. I don't know where the door is. Show me the door, right? And that's kind of what was implied in, in, here, in him here. So there's, there's a part in his heart, as I looked in, you know, for our family too. Okay, we have to be prepared. We need God to open doors for us, but our hearts have to be in a spot that we're ready to go through them. Uh, the second part that's in here, you know, is, so he's, God opened the door for me. And then second, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. And so that's not on Paul's own, uh, his own abilities. That's God making the word clear. Now, this was a very interesting uh, verse for God to give us, going to Ecuador, where they speak Spanish, and I don't speak Spanish. My family doesn't speak Spanish. They speak maybe a little more than me, and they actually had great fun making fun of me, uh, because it typically was me in a spot of having to speak it when we could, and so, and so I would just mutilate everything, and I, you know, I'd have taxi drivers trying to teach me how to say things. Um, but anyway, that, so that was, that was Paul just saying, God, I need you to, uh, to make my word clear as, as I'm acting in obedience to, to, to bear fruit through my words. And then I think it's no accident, the verse behind it. So walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. All right, so this was, you're going to come together with people that don't know me right, with don't, that don't know the Lord, right? So make use of the time. Always be ready, right? Which is really a work of the Spirit. I looked at how, does our, how are we ready? How can we know the words to say, right? And, and that is just relying on God, listening to his voice of how we might answer each person. So I'm going to share with you, and we're going to kind of come back to this verse of just how we saw God play this out in our lives. So we started our trip um, Ecuador is a little country on the equator, and we started in the town of Manta. Manta is about 300,000 people. Uh, it's a fishing town, you know, tuna and everything, so it's right on the beach, and it's hot. 
you know, it's year-round. The days are the same length. The temperature's about the same. So it's in the 90s every day. Um, and so we, this is Maria. Um, <laughs> this is Maria. She's 17 years old. Uh, you know, she she's planning to go to the university. When she finishes school, she's got another year of school left. And she hopes to be a doctor. Um, she loves spending time at the beach. Living in a beach town, you go to the beach. Uh, so it's, you know, going there with friends. Um, she loves little kids. Uh, she's got some, some nephews, and uh, so she likes doing that. Her, her mom stays at home with them. Um, and her dad is a bricklayer. He, he doesn't find consistent work, though. That's one of their constant prayers, was just help my dad keep finding work. Um, and so as a, as a compassion sponsor, for those of you who, who don't know this, there's one child and one sponsor. There's, there's a unique relationship, and you guys are together. And, and this is just an example. You, guys, you know, as a sponsor, you exchange letters. You send, they send pictures. You send pictures. You know, the, you, 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 every month you give money. It's, it's $38 a month to be their sponsor. And then, but you can also give Christmas presents if you want and birthday presents. And so you'll get you know, pictures of here's what I got with my, you know, the money you sent. And it's pretty amazing how far that money goes. Um, but that's kind of what, what happens. And so for Maria, we've watched her grow up since she was just little um, to, uh, to what she is today. Um, so a compassion visit. Let me just start with this. So what is a compassion visit? We weren't familiar with it. And really, there was two options for us. There was the a scheduled visit. Show up for a week, and we got everything planned. We'll pick you up and take you back, and, and everything's happy. We could have done that. We didn't. We did the just single day. So you make all your own plans, figure everything out, tell us where you're going to be. We'll pick you up that day, and we'll dr- drop you off that night. So that's kind of what we did. We did two days uh, just with the kids. And, um, and as part of that, when, you, when they pick you up, so it's the child, it's a family member. In Maria's case, it was her, her sister-in-law, Isabella. There's somebody from the Compassion Project uh, locally because there's projects all around. Um, there is a host, which is from Compassion, which is your interpreter, and then a driver. So that's kind of what you'll do for the day. So, And then uh, when you're together, you're going to start by doing something fun. And for Maria, her favorite thing to do is go to the beach. So that's what we did. So that's us in the ocean having fun in the waves with Maria. It's the first time our kids had ever been in the ocean in the waves, and so it was a lot of fun. We were getting attacked by seagulls here. Um, But it was a great time just kind of hanging out, you know, and the interpreter really just facilitating that well to kind of ask questions and get to know each other. And and then after that, you went to eat wherever the kid likes, you know, their favorite thing. And for her, that's ceviche, ceviche, which is a a brined fish. They brine it in, like, uh, lemon sauce, and so it's, it's really good uh, and interesting. And, and after that, you go to... <laughs> what? No, we did. It's, no, it's great. We, we loved it. Um, uh, after that, we went to the project center. And so, and this is what I didn't fully comprehend and, and, and understand, is that every compassion center is attached to a church. I mean, physically attached to a church building. It's just the way that it works. And so that is their church building. There's a little parsonage off to the right where the pastor lived. And then kind of back there, you can see kind of they're open, and I'll, I'll show pictures. Those are the, the rooms where they hold the, the compassion um, sessions that, where they do all, all the work with the kids. And so, um, 
So there you can see that, that room behind the bars, that's where Maria goes. So that's kind of where the, the classes are and, and, and everything that they do. Um, that's kind of the, the courtyard, so there's just a number of rooms around there. And so on the right there, that's Angie. Angie was our host, our interpreter, both this day and later on with our next child. Uh, that was the compassion director in the middle, and that was uh, Maria's sister-in-law, Isabella. And so at the, at the compassion center, what they do there is it's first and foremost Bible teaching. It is about getting rooted in the word, who, who Jesus is, what he's done, who you are. Um, in Christ. Beyond that, there's tutoring that, that's, that they do. They, you know, if they need food or health care, they, they kind of help with that, and they also kind of teach them just some, some health education of how to stay healthy. Um, but that's kind of the core of it. It's very Bible, Bible-based in what they do. And, and the thing that I didn't fully understand of the way it works is the compassion people actually go through the neighborhoods to just the, the poorest areas, door-to-door, knocking on doors, talking to parents to try to get their kids to enroll in the program. And to go in the program, there's an involvement of parents in that too, that the, compar- the parents will help a little bit at the center. There's also a, an expectation that they'll start attending the worship service um, at, with the church. Um, and so signing up, that's part of it. And so once a child signs up and they start attending and they show that they will, then they're eligible for sponsorship. And that's kind of the packets that you see out there. So these kids can now be sponsored um, uh, when they're in, that, in the program. And, and the way it works, so, so Ecuador, you know, is a, uh, a Catholic nation. It's kind of the, the state religion, and we don't quite get that here in the U.S. because we don't have a state religion. But being born, you're born Catholic. You're born Ecuadorian. It's just part of your identity. It uh, doesn't mean that it's, you know, it has anything to do with the relationship with Christ. It doesn't have even, even any involvement, um, you know, in, in with the Lord. Um, but it's also then combined with, with shamans, you know, witch doctors. So that's kind of part of the culture too. So there's, there's just a real dynamic, and, and people don't even think of themselves as Christian. If you ask a, a non, you know, it's a, somebody if they're Christian, they're like, no, I'm Catholic. Christian is something else. That means, you know, it's, it's evangelical. It means you've, you've, um, you've made that decision. So, um, so that's kind of the part of the culture there. And so the way it works is it starts with a kid. You know, that bringing kids to Christ. And the, Casey talked about this for the trip to the DR. It's kind of the same way. You know, you win the child to the Lord, and then the family kind of comes behind it. You know, the mom and the family, and then hopefully the dad. The dad is the, the least responsive person from what we understand. Um, and so as we talked with Maria and just said, what, what is it meant to you to be in compassion? How has it affected you? You know, she just really said, you know, that she is a believer, uh, and that's happened because of, of being in the program. Her mom's not, her dad isn't, uh, but she has two nephews that are in the program now. Um, and so it's, it's been very impactful, and that is kind of the model. So after that, so after the center, then you go to their home. And this is, this is Maria's home. So as you approach it, you know, it's, um, it's hard to see. There was a big earthquake in Ecuador a year ago, and it was very close to where Maria lives. And their house was badly damaged. And so the, the, uh, all the inner walls fell. The outer walls they had to take down and rebuild. Um, and so there's still piles of rubble. You can kind of see it on the right there of just some of the construction rubble that you would see around. Um, as you go in, this would be kind of the front yard to the house. Um, you can just kind of see the you know, the, the conditions there. And then this is, so this is Solvay coming out, but their, their house here is on the left. So that window, I mean, it's an opening, it's not a window, 
uh, you know, so kind of curtains come down. Um, so that, that is their house there. And the house is basically 20 foot by tw 20 foot is the total space. Um, and just to kind of show you what it's like inside. Um, so maybe I'll explain the picture first. So, so one of the things that you do, you know, when you're there is you, you get to give gifts. And so gifts to the family, uh, to the mom, and then gifts to Maria. And so, you know, a backpack full of stuff. And Sylvia just finished going through all the gifts. And so everybody's a little emotional in that picture. <laughs> um, but you can kind of see there in the house, you know, it's a temporary roof on there. So they got the walls up. But you can kind of see if you can see rebar hanging out because the interior walls aren't done yet. And so behind that curtain, the curtains were just up for us to make the house look a little nicer. But there was three beds all sitting right next to each other, just kind of stacked. And then behind Solve, there's a, a fridge, a little stove, a little counter. Uh, I'm sitting here. There's a little couch we're sitting on. That's the house. All right. So privacy, your own room, these things don't exist. Um, so they lived in a tent for three months until they got the structure back up. You know, they're saving to try to get the interior walls back up, so the bedroom's a bedroom and a roof back on it. Their bathroom, they need to reopen yet, too. And they do have electricity and plumbing, you know, but the, um, what I have seen is it's not a shower. It's a toilet and a sink, you know. Um, and, and so the, anyway, I, I asked the compassion people, you know, what would it cost, do you think, to, to finish this, to get the walls back up and the roof? And they thought it'd be about $1,500. Well, minimum wage, what these people would make, um, if you're working full-time, it's $300 a month, so $3,600 a year. And he's not finding full-time work. So they're probably living on two to $3,000 a year and now come up with $1,500 to get your house back together. And so, the, and this is not a unique story to them, right? This is kind of everybody around them. So that, obviously, very uh, hard to see, um, you know, compared to how we're, we're used to living here. Um, and, and Maria actually took a year off school uh, because she had to help with the family to kind of get the house back up. And so school was just, the new school year was just starting uh, right after we left. So she's got one year uh, when you're left. And so when we arrived, one of the things that they gave was a gift to us, um, a big two-liter bottle of Sprite and some cookies, which was a very big gesture, um, you know, but it was very honoring to them, you know, to, to do that. Um, you know, one of the things for me, just anytime anybody's asked for money or charities, I'm always a little skeptical. How is the money used, right? Is it used well? Is it focused on, on the gospel? Are we just feeding people? And and I couldn't have been more pleased with what I saw Compassion doing here. Um, in the home, we had a chance to do some fun things together and, and, and talk. And then, you know, the, we, we had a chance to just kind of ask how the program affected them and what, how we could pray for them. And, you know, and obviously they wanted prayer for just continued health and, and work. And, and the project director really kind of talked. And she really told us how we needed to pray specifically for Maria, where she was in her spiritual formation. You know, that she just had concerns that she wasn't really um, grabbing onto her faith and making it her own. And I was just really touched that the, you know, of the many kids they work with, she, they, really are care, they really care about their spiritual formation was, was very uh, apparent. And so we had a chance uh, to really speak words of blessing, you know, and just for Maria, you know, just I felt prompted in the Lord that just saw a girl who, you know, struggled a little bit, you know, in just who she was. And so I just had a chance to really speak truth to her 
you know, of just uh, who she is in Christ and just her, her identity and just how beautiful God saw her. And we had a chance to share the gospel with their, with their family, um, you know, and, and pray over them. And, uh, and so it was a pretty, pretty great day. <laughs> and so um, afterwards, afterwards, we were getting dropped off. And uh, Angie and, and our driver, Victor, were, were dropping us off. And, and I just felt really prompted to, to, we had to pray for Angie. She is having some issues with her thyroid. And so we laid hands on her, kind of got out of the bus and prayed for her and just hugged and loved on her. And, and, and that's a relationship that continues. So actually yesterday, you know, WhatsApp, internationally, like everybody talks on WhatsApp. And so we were actually just chatting yesterday on, on WhatsApp. We've stayed in, in contact. Her doctor visit's coming up soon, and she got married a couple of weeks ago. And so, uh, so it's been fun to see just the relationships that, that continue through that. Um, so this, so we leave. We leave this house, and we go back to uh, where we were staying, which was an apartment we rented through Airbnb, you know, on the coast, you know, pretty beautiful. And so we're back in the home, and it's just kind of what, what is your heart feeling? after a day like that, you know, and, and, you know, just one of these Clara shared too is, you know, it just really made me, um, you know, just grateful for what I have, you know, just versus being jealous for so many other things. And, and I remember just that night laying there wondering, why was I born here? Why was Maria born there? <laughs> what did I do to deserve being born here? And, and it was nothing right? There was nothing she did versus I did, but God chose us to, to put me here. So just with that knowledge, what, what was I supposed to do with that knowledge? Now that I had it, what do I do with that knowledge? Um, sorry. I, <clears throat> I have to be able to read my notes. Um, <laughs> but I would tell you, you know, I kind of went to bed that night, and I just felt like my heart was so full, and my heart hurt. You know, and 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 kind of as a parent, you know, I, I love new parents because the question I always ask is the same thing I felt. When your child is born and you see him for the first time, that love that you suddenly have for this person that you've never known before is indescribable. And consistently, every new dad tells me the same thing. And I, I felt a taste of that, you know, that day with Maria, of just the love for this girl. Um, sure, we exchanged letters and pictures, but just to know her and how God loved her. But at the same time, my heart just hurt. Um, and so I'm laying there that night, and the power goes out. It's in the 90s, and it's starting to get hot, right? And I'm laying there, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm getting uncomfortable. Maria and her family's laying there never having had air conditioning ever, and here I am starting to get so used to my creature comforts that I'm uncomfortable. And fortunately, the power came on another half hour, and I felt even more guilty, but I went to sleep. Uh. Okay. So then the next day, we hired Victor. Victor was the driver from the day before, and we just asked Victor, can you take us around the next day because we had to catch a bus later that day. And So he took us to some sites. We went and saw some museums and stuff, and, and he didn't speak very good English, but our good friend Google Translate was along. Um, and you can see him and Calvin handing the phone back and forth to each other, which was an awesome way to communicate when you have to. Um, but what was fun with Victor was we got to know him and his mom and sister live in Canada and he just had such a heart for them. And he's got his wife and two daughters and he's working to get a visa because he's, their plan is to come to New York eventually and then make their way to Canada. And so, uh, so we just had a real chance to, to get to know him. And, um, and it was funny before he dropped us off at the bus, 
you know, um, we weren't getting out of that bus until we prayed for him because he had saw us praying in the house. He had saw us praying for Angie. And so he just didn't want to miss out. He needed prayer, uh, which was great. And so, Victor, we continue to stay in touch. I see him on WhatsApp. We we talk, and I'm trying to get him to come to Minnesota instead of New York. Um, he is Catholic. He doesn't know the Lord, and but we, we believe God's not done. Uh, so. so that's Victor. Um, <clears throat> okay. Onward to Guayaquil. So next we went to Guayaquil. Guayaquil is a town of about two and a half million people. Again, it's, it's big. Um, it's on the coast, so it's hot uh, once again. And this is Juan. Um, Juan was the first child we sponsored. He's 16 years old. Uh, so we got triplets, our three 16-year-olds. Uh, <laughs> um, he loves science. He loves soccer. So him and Cal really had fun talking soccer. Uh, his father is a welder. Uh, his mom, uh, she works packaging shrimp in a shrimp processing center. And so she works 10, 12-hour days in a row. Uh, so works very hard. Um, and Juan is a believer, as is his family. Um, and so one of the, what we did with Juan is we went to the boardwalk. We rode the Ferris wheel, which he'd never done before. And then we had his favorite food, KFC. Um <laughs> And, uh, and then from there, we went to the project. And, and here's what I was thinking. That's Juan's mom, and that's Juan. And I remember thinking, huh, they look really good. He's dressed like Calvin. She's dressed, you know what I mean? The, maybe their home isn't so bad here. Maybe things are a lot better. That was kind of my initial, just kind of I'm looking at them and reading and interpreting them. Well, I was very wrong, as you'll see. Uh, but it just really showed me you can't tell by looking at a person, you know, anything. Um, and so this was the, the project. Um, and so, again, it's, it, it is a uh, church building as well. So inside, this is their sanctuary. That's their kitchen. I mean, it's, it's rough. Um, but in the back left is kind of the, the rooms where the, where the compassion classes happen. And so here's, here's Juan sitting at his desk posing for us, you know, in that little room. And it's just amazing. You know, they put thousands of kids through these programs and, you know, and they really coordinate it with the school schedule of when they come, you know, and it's kind of different based on the age. But, uh, but just that connection with the church was, was a really neat thing. And so we're, there's Angie again, and, and in the doorway is kind of the person from the project there. Oh, the other thing that really struck me too is when we dropped off the person from the, the director, her home was like right by Maria's. These people live in the heart of what they're doing. It's not like they're living in big fancy places and going in and serving and then going back to their palace at night. I mean, these people have a heart for these children, for the Lord. Okay, so then we went to Juan's house. And um, so that morning before we left, um, Lydia just had this prompting that she brought some stuffed animals along and and she just felt God telling her, "You, you need to bring this. And she didn't know why. She hadn't brought anything else. And she shows up and... And we meet Juan's little niece, and she's cute. So Lydia got to give her the stuffed animal. Um, and Solveig was sick that day, so she had to stay behind. She wasn't able to go with us. And uh, So Lydia played the role of mom, giving the gifts. And, and so this is their house. So same kind of deal. It's about a 20 by 20. Um, you can see it, feel, it feels like there's graffiti in the walls inside even. Um, you know, uh, we didn't really ask about that, but that's the bedroom right there. So again, there's just the beds stacked all together right in that space. And um, we had some fun together. We taught them how to play face 10, and, uh, <laughs> which we did with Maria too. And so that was, that was fun. And, um, 
And so there's the kitchen. So you can just kind of see how simple that is. And on that picture at the bottom right, look at that tarp. So it had rained that morning, and so they got tarps hanging just to catch the water. Because we're standing in the house, we're getting dripped on, uh, just in different spots. You're just standing getting dripped on. And so the tarp kind of collects water, and there's another one in the bedroom, just, just kind of full of water, keeping it from falling on the beds. Um, and so that was, uh, that was their home. And, and um, it was interesting, when we asked them how to pray for them, you know, Juan's mom really just shared, pray for unity. Because you could feel it. The love in that home was so apparent. Just that there was so much joy in that family and so much connection. She was like, pray that our unity would just be maintained, um, which was great. And, and um, you know, so just coming out of that trip again, it was a day of just your heart was full. And, you know, Calvin really shared too. It just really impacts you. And just thinking about, what they have versus what you have and how you spend your money and what are wants versus what are needs. Um, you know, and I just felt the day went too fast. I was not ready to leave. I had a really hard time leaving. Um, I wanted to take him home. <laughs> um, okay, so that was, um, that was our days with the Compassion Kids. And then we went on to Quito. So Quito is uh, kind of in, inland. Uh, it's up in the mountains at, what was it, 12,000 feet? So you got to adjust to that. And um, uh, two and a half million people, so it's cooler. It's in the 70s every day. It's perfect shorts weather. Um, and, um, and we connected with Dale and Winetta Grenowick. Now, Dale's actually from Ballatin originally. And um, him and Winetta have been missionaries for 42 years. They started um, serving as missionaries to in Colombia to the Indians. And then they've been with the... Uh, Academy Alliance International Christian School in Quito um, since then. And, uh, and it's a church that was really formed to, to kind of, there were so many missionaries, you know, that started coming, so they built this school just to kind of train the kids to keep the missionaries focused on their work. And so they've really served inside of there. And, and, and we didn't stay with Dale and Winetta, but we spent a lot of time with them and connected with them, and they just loved on us. They basically kind of adopted us and treated us one of their own, and you see the kids doing puzzles together, and and if you know Dale, every day at 10 o'clock and 4 o'clock, you're having coffee. So we had a lot of coffee and pastries, and, and it, was, it was great. So one of the things we did is they took us to Otavala. And it's Juanetta's favorite place in, in the country. And just the, the Indian people, the Otavala Indians, are just the most beautiful people. I just kind of fell in love with them. And it's a very, it's a market town. They're very creative. They kind of sell all their, their wares. And they actually travel around the world, some of them selling them, or they're exported. Um, so the, at the end of our trip, oh, so this is kind of in the market. So you can just see kind of some of their crafty wares and Calvin being the negotiator buying stuff. Um, but the, uh, we had a chance with them to go to, a, to an Indian worship service. So these were uh, the Otavala Indians that had became Christians, and uh, Dale had actually helped build this church uh, many years ago, and, and it was very fun. You know, it was in Quechua, was actually the language they were speaking, and so, um, and so the words up on the screen were trying to sing along, and, uh, which was kind of fun. Um, but at the end of our time there, there was this question, well, should we go to Agato? Agato was this place of a mission house where the missionaries just first started. And we were kind of hemming and hawing because they thought, you know, it'd be an hour and a half of curvy, bumpy roads. And we decided, let's go for it. So when we get there, it turns out there was a new road and it was easy to get to. 
And, and whoops, too fast. And this was the, so on the far right is that mission house. Well, there's a mission house, and now there's a church building, and there's a compassion center as well. So the mission house and the compassion center are all kind of used for compassion, and, and this is the church building. And so uh, they don't have a pastor right now, so the worship pastor was with us and kind of took us around. And, um, and so they're kind of taking turns, their elders teaching until the new pastor comes. But uh, we had a chance to, to kind of visit and see that. And you can see there's a little sign, compassion, nothing too fancy. <laughs> but, but inside, again, very basic facilities, but just um, a joy to, to meet those people. And so um, as we got there, we got to the upper room in this mission house. And there was so much history here. You know, for, for Dale and Winetta, they remember their kids sleeping on the floor here. And there's so many stories of, you know, the missionaries that went out, you know, and just the work that came from here, and just the history of how old it was. And, and there was just a spot where it got a little emotional for Dale, and he just was like, you need to pray, right? And so I just had a chance to just really pray over them and the work and just, you know, just the fruit that's been born out of that place. And, and Lydia walks up to me at the end, and she's like, Dad, or it's more of a whisper, Dad. <laughs> She's got this this picture, this word that, that was just given to her. And I'm like, well, then you have to share it, right? So so she does. She opens her mouth, and they interpret it. She just shares this picture that God gave her of just, you know, rivers of, of water and life going out of this place and just how it would spread and, and impact people for the kingdom. And it was it was a real blessing, you could tell, too to Dale Winetta and, and to the pastor there and the people. And, and so it was a pretty special time. And, and standing in the doorway there is uh, Angel was our driver and, and Gabriella. And so they, they were with, kind of took us uh, on the way. And, um, and it's a, that's important because that kind of connects to my next story. So the next day we hired those two to take us to go see the sites. So we went to the Capitol and saw the changing of the guard and, and all that, which was fun. And, and then we went to um, see some cathedrals and the basilica. And it was the kids' first chance really ever being inside, you know, a big structure like that. But it was also the first time being exposed to, to just all of the worship that goes on there, you know, just directed to saints and all the caskets of, you know, and the shrines. And so it was a little hard, just other hearts, of just seeing where all this worship is being directed. Um, and then we also went to this museum. It was a pre-Columbian history museum, and it was all these gods that they had worshipped over the years. And so it was just, uh, you know, and, and, and Gabriella is being our translator, kind of going through and telling us all about it. And, she, and so we walk out of that, that, history, uh, that museum, and Lydia's like, Dad, <laughs> I think I'm supposed to talk to Gabriella about her faith. And my answer was, well, then you have to. <laughs> and so um, so we're outside. We're waiting for Angel to pick us up. And remember, this is a town of two and a half million people. So think New York City. You know, it's just crowded and, and everything. And so we strike up this conversation with Gabriella about her faith. And she's not a Christian. She says, no, I'm Catholic, but I'm, I'm very interested. And she said, I was really moved yesterday, you know, in that mission house when you guys prayed. The way you talk to God, I, I need to understand that, right? And so we had a chance there for man, 10, 15 minutes sharing the gospel on the corner with Gabriella, you know, and she wasn't ready. God was working on her. She wasn't ready to make that decision yet, right? But we had a chance to lay hands on her and pray for her and 
And, oh, and this is, this is Gabriella. So we saw her again a couple days later. She's been talking to more people and finding other Christians. And so she's, she's getting there, you know, seeds have been planted. Um, and, and Dale and Winetta know her too. So we'll be able to kind of keep track of what's happening with, with Gabriella. Uh, but just a neat chance again to see how God uses things you don't expect. Lydia's obedience, you know, to kind of act on that and see how it would draw somebody closer to the Lord. Okay, so one of the other things, you know, as I talked with Solveig, just how this affected her, was just um, understanding the life of a missionary. So, how am I doing on time? Am I okay? Okay. Um, So, for us, we felt like this was an adventure, okay? (laughs) You know, we we didn't speak English. We had no tour guides, no translators, right? There was the things we expected, don't drink the water and all that. We didn't expect all the, and don't eat anything that's been washed in the water, and don't flush toilet paper because there's not enough water pressure, and, you know, and just kind of all of those other things. You know, it felt like an adventure to us, just figuring things out and the fact that you're going to be behind bars and gates because there's so many people and just figure stuff out. So it, we felt like it was an adventure, but, you know, Solveig's comment was compared, though, to the lives of these missionaries. Our adventure was nothing to... to, to you know, to go here and commit your life to live amongst these people um, was a real, uh, give, a, give us appreciation for the, for the work that they're doing. You know, just to, even inside of the school here of Alliance Academy International, y- yes, we got to serve in different ways and helping. Um, but this school, which has operated for many years, just this year now has fallen under the realm of the government. And so it's, I was, was kind of left to go before, and now they're treating it as one of their schools under all their programs. And and they really feel like they're getting persecuted because of being a Christian school. And, and so you could just feel it in the stories we would hear. It just, it, it's challenging of just some of the things that, that's going on in there. So we just really felt the need, you know, of just how do we encourage these missionaries? And, you know, we, we send support and we, you know, but, but specifically, how do we pray for where their needs are really affected us? Um, we also had a chance to uh, help with uh, Pond, uh, Ponde Vita Ministries. Did I say it right? All right. Um, you know, it just, with them, it's, it's a, it is a soup kitchen, but it's, it's one very focused on, on the gospel. And so people coming through really um, got a chance to learn about the Lord, so we got to spend some time there. And then Extreme Response. This is an organization that I would like to spend more time with. They, they, they're in multiple countries, but they started uh, serving people that were living in the dumps, and so these people just lived there, and they would scavenge for food. And, and then a few years ago, the, an extreme response was started to kind of help them get out of there. And then the government a few years ago said, can't live here anymore, but we'll let you keep doing it, but we're going to call it a job. And so we're going to put you in shifts, so when you're going to do it, and we're going to divide the laborers, so you're not fighting over stuff. You know, and so these people, that's what they do. A garbage truck comes in dumps it out. They got 10 minutes to scavenge through and find stuff, and then a loader takes and puts it in another truck and goes out. And so, uh, and then the government is required, but they need, since we're calling it a job, they need uh, child care and they need health care. And so, uh, so Extreme Response helps with all of that, again, with the, with the goal of the gospel and getting these people out of here. And so we, uh, we had a chance to just spend time with the little ones, uh, kind of loving on them while their moms were working. 
And, um, and also, you know, they do training for the moms to teach them skills. So that's one of the projects that they do of teaching them, you know, things that they can make and sell. Uh, there was a women's Bible study going on. And, you know, when they were done, they all came out and just hugged us and kissed us and loved on us. And, and they did smell like they lived in the dump. I mean, just it's very real, you know, what they're going through and just how they're helping them get out. We got to help with the teens. And so a, a really neat ministry again. Um, and then compassion. Got to go to their main office even and just kind of meet them. And It's interesting. Everybody has to be a Christian to work at compassion no matter what your job is. I mean, it is so gospel-focused that that's what you have to do. And, and we met, you know, the, the HCJB radio station, which started many years ago spreading the gospel through the world. So there's neat stories here of just, and Dale knows everybody. So everywhere where we'd go, you know, it's just they knew him. And so just the history and how all these missions formed over the years was just such a blessing to see God's work playing out through there. So, so what was special about Ecuador, Right. Um, why not here? And, and I had that question, right? I saw God doing things, openness, you know, and so is there anything unique about being there in that place? And as I reflected on it, no, really, just the people were special. They were very unique. Um, but I think a lot of it had to do with our heart, right? And, and kind of Paul, right? Back to kind of the, the Colossians verse, right? Of open the door, Right? Open the door. It's, it's given he's going to step through it, but then, God, I need you to make the message clear. Make the word clear, right? And give me how I need to address every person. And, and, and I think that's one of the things that, for us, our hearts were in that spot. So what does that take? What, what, what was unique for us, at least, in that spot? You know, and, and it, you know, it's part of that. We need to listen for the Spirit's prompting and obey. But I think the reason that we were in a spot to do that, part of it was perspective, Right? Perspective was very easy there to see. And it's a thing we got to carry back is all this stuff doesn't matter, right? Um, um, you know, how much do we waste on things? Uh, but the other thing is, you know, who are you comparing yourself to? You may feel like you don't have much, but who are you comparing yourself to? I think your point of comparison is wrong if you're comparing yourself to your neighbor um, when we consider these kids. I think the other one is an expectation. We believed every day God was going to show up, just like Paul. Answer is yes, where's the door, right? When we were down there, we just had an expectation. Every day God was going to work. And so it's how do we keep that for all of us every day in our lives, this expectation that God's got something to do today. We're just looking for that door that's open. Uh, But we also had limited distractions. You know, we really had limited electronic use, we were doing family devotions, really, to kind of prepare our hearts in, in different things of what we were seeing, journaling, talking with each other about what we saw, what we were feeling. So just collectively, the distractions we were pushing away to try to keep focused on finding the door. Um, and also really just focusing our desires. One of the questions that I uh, put to the family our first night there was, you know, where's your heart drawn? When you have free time, right? When you get chance to daydream, what do you think about? You know, what do you, when you get a few minutes, what are you drawn to first? What has your heart? Um, and for us, it was very challenging to really say, where is our heart drawn? Which is a whole another sermon. Um, but then finally, it was about relationships. You know, at the end of the day, our relationships with each other, with the people was what mattered. And so I, I think as long as we keep these things in view, we can act like Paul not just in Ecuador, but here in Marshall and in Ballotin, being ready, right, to say where the Spirit prompts, we're ready to act. 
So, so what about you this morning? Is the Spirit prompting you? If he is, by all means, respond. Um, you know, and, and maybe maybe you're being prompted, really, for the Dominican Republic trip. I, you know, just what Casey shared last week felt like a very similar story, right? What is this house going to mean? You know, and it, it starts with the kids and goes to the mom and to the family. And so, you know, I would say if, if you're being prompted there and you haven't given to that, by all means, do so. Maybe you're being prompted to sponsor a child, you know, like we are. Um, I would encourage you to do that. Um, we'll be out back with, with a table if, if you're feeling called to do that. We'd love to have you look through the cards and fall in love with one of the kids. Uh, or maybe something else. But whatever it is that you're feeling God pulling on your heartstrings, I would just encourage you to, um, to act. And that's what I got. Uh, I think. <laughs> Thank you. Well, our hope was, and Glenn did a great job of it, you know, re- really showing us that, yes, that took place in Ecuador, but we can minister anywhere. You know, living out the gospel is an everyday opportunity, and it's actually it's more of an everyday obligation to love on people. You know, one of the things I loved, you know, when you'd say to Lydia, just, you got to do it. You know, God's looking for people that really manifest two characteristics more than anything else. Be available and be obedient. It's amazing that the Lord will speak to us if we're available and obedient. I, I really love what Glenn said there at the end. You know, it's a matter of our perspective. You know, we live in a, in a world and in a nation, and even in southwest Minnesota, where there is a lot of hurt, there is a lot of pain, there's a lot of oppression, and people are looking for something. And if we have the right perspective, we realize what they need, we have, if we know Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Having that perspective and an expectation. You know, when God puts something on your heart, you know, one of the first things that comes on you is fear, right? They're going to think I'm weird. They're going to think I'm stupid. They're going to laugh at me. They're going to make fun of me. No, if God lays something on our heart, we need to have an expectation of what? That he's going to do something with it. We may not get to see the final result, but we get to plant the seeds or water, whatever the case may be, to have that expectation. And boy, when he said limit your distractions, we live in a distracted culture. How many of you are going crazy already because you haven't checked your, well, you've probably already checked your Facebook. We are so distracted to just set a time aside to just quiet our minds, quiet our hearts. And then he really asked the key question, what are your desires? What are your desires? You know, as Christians, you know, all the things that the Lord could have done right before he departed, what he did was told people to go and make disciples. Is that our focus? And we can lose sight of that really easily because we're busy. We're doing great things. But what's our focus? Making disciples. So I want to encourage you. There's a whole bunch of children out there in the foyer that if you have a feeling the Lord leading you to adopt, Glenn said it's $38 a month. Uh, You can certainly do that. We want to encourage you to that. And also, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, if you're interested in one of the worship CDs, um, they're also available. So I want to thank you in advance for your generosity towards the, the home in the Dominican Republic. I just want to invite you to stand with me if you're able and would like. We'll close in prayer. And our worship team has a meeting right afterwards. Father, we thank you for what you're doing around the globe. Father, it's so easy to be distracted by all the bad news. And it's so easy to think that what we have to offer is insignificant. I thank you, Lord, for demonstrating to the Bader family, therefore to us, that, that we can make a difference. 
We can make a difference here in our local areas, southwest Minnesota. We can make a difference in the uttermost parts of the earth. We thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit is active and working, that we serve a risen Savior, that Jesus is alive, and he's seated at your right hand. Father, we thank you for today, that you have blessed us through Glenn and his family's adventures and Lord, it's exciting to know that there's adventures waiting for us right outside the doors, wherever we go. So I pray you give us eyes to see and ears to hear your Holy Spirit. And now, Lord, I pray you would watch over us as we go our different directions. Keep us safe and protect us from the enemy and the attacks of the enemy. Help us to discern your voice more clearly. We pray for safety as we travel. And we ask all of these things that Jesus would be glorified. And in his name we pray. Amen.